We're going to play some special music for you. It's a song called I Speak Jesus. Sometimes you have encounters with Jesus that are very powerful. And as you read through his word, you see that we're called to be the hands and feet. You know, we're called to take that message to the people that we come in contact with. So dwell on these lyrics as we sing I Speak Jesus. starts to break declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus your name is power your name is healing your name is life break Jesus from the mountains and Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, and Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus, oh, Jesus from the mountains and Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, and Jesus
just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind because I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus Last week we were on vacation and Andy called me up and was like, hey, you want to give your testimony? And I'm like, well, scripture says in 1 Peter 3.15 that always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And so to be obedient, that's what I have done is to do the things that I'm supposed to do. And uh so he asked me to give my testimony, and there's, I thought about it all week long. What do I say? What do I need to tell God? What do you want me to tell them? And uh, it came down to this. is uh, When I was growing up, I would, you would say that the, I was very blessed is what I thought. You know, I, I had everything that the world had to give, you know, I was tall, I was strong, healthy, never got sick, you know, I, I was able to pick up women that you wouldn't think that I would, and, <laughs> you know, these are the things that the world said that you should be able to do as a man, it's like, you know, you should be strong and tall, and, you know, you should be very attractive to the women and bring them, and you should be able to drink alcohol and and I did all that, and I was like, wow, you know, I'm very blessed. And then one of my role models passed away. And I was like, what is going on? You know what? We didn't live much of a different life. You know, why, why did he die and why did I stay? And that's when... God opened my eyes and said, this is not what I had planned for you. I had planned that you would learn these lessons so you can go out and tell other people of them. And that's what I'm here today, is to, to say that even though the world says this, God has a different plan, and he has, there's joy that I have in knowing him and him being in my heart. I would have ne never even thought of having. Because even though the world said that this is what you should look for in a man, this is not what brought me joy. What brought me joy is going through that stuff and realizing that that's not happiness. The happiness is I have is in what Jesus has done to me. Being able to tell people about how great our God is and how Jesus has affected me and how he could change your world and show you and open your eyes to what was really out there. In 1 John 9, 24, 
And it says, a second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling him the truth, they said. We know that this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know is I was blind, now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do, not, do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are the fellow's, the fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as far as his follow, fellow, we do not even know where he comes from. The man answered, Know that, know that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened the eye, opened my eyes. He knew that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the holy people who ha does, his w does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a blind, a born blind. If the man were from not from God, he would couldn't do nothing. To the to this they replied, "You were steeped in sin at birth." How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Just like it. I was deep in sin from birth. My family never showed any interest in going to church. So therefore, I didn't either. So all the sin that I thought was to be true was not. All the sin I thought of was actually sin and not knowing the truth. God opened my eyes to what the truth is. Well, we'll just go ahead and close in a word of prayer. And y'all can see your crock pot cook, whatever. Uh, no, um, I hope you're blessed by that. Um, thank you, JD, for sharing that. You know, he, uh, I will admit this, he's an intimidating looking fellow. But, I mean, God has worked in his life. And if you have not had the opportunity to get to know him, um, I encourage you to go find him. He loves to talk about what God's done in his life and uh, what God is continuing to do in his life. And he is not bashful. He's intimidating and he is a warrior for Christ. And, um, it's an honor to just get to know him. And uh, we're starting this new series. You can see, share your story. And so for the rest of this month, I hope you return because we're going to have specials. Abby blew that song out of the water. Um, we're going to have other testimonies for the rest of this month because I want everybody to see that there are people who have had their lives transformed by Jesus. I mean, you know, honestly, we gather together and it's easy to get in the church thing where you, you get together and you're just like, hey, I'm, I'm just blessed to be here. Oh, joy to the Lord. It's so good to be in his house. And, you know, I've just, uh, just always been happy. I wake up happy. I'm still happy. And we're never going to touch anything that happened in the past. And so we're always going to think that we are just these perfect Christians. And I know we never say that, but it kind of happens in our dialogue a lot of times. And it happens in, in, in the church's dialogue. That there are things we don't talk about. That, that we 
are above all of that. And those things should not be mentioned. But what we're going to be seeing is these stories in this series where Jesus touches the lives of people and he transforms them. And he, he takes them from not being somebody who was okay and turning them into somebody better. Jesus didn't come to make us better. Did you know that? That he actually did not come to improve your life. He didn't. Because the truth is you can't improve something that's dead. It's dead. You cannot take something that literally has no pulse and you can maybe make it nicer looking on the outside. Jesus calls the Pharisees that. He says you're whitewashed tombs. On the outside, you're beautiful, but on the inside, you're nothing but death. And you, you can put makeup on a corpse, but it's still dead. And so Jesus didn't come to just try and better us. He came to bring us to life. He came to transform us. He came to, as Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, he came so that the old can be gone. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, totally done away with. Not, not made better, but gone, and the new has come. Jesus, as he's talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, He's saying to Nicodemus, if anyone wants to come to the Father, he must be born again. And I love Nicodemus because he's like, what, do I like come back out of my mother's womb again? And Jesus is like, no, what is born of the flesh is of the flesh, but instead you must be born of the Spirit, meaning an entirely new life, not a better one, not an improved version, something new entirely. And J.D. would probably tell you that when Christ grabbed his life, he is somebody totally new from who he was before. Like he said, there were things that I loved, that I enjoyed, that I thought were good, and then I gave my life over to Christ. And it's like, whoa, my, my desires, my passions, my love, it changed. Who I am, it's not even the same person. That's why Christ came into our lives. That's the theme of the gospel, that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again so that we too don't just get put on life support and then improved. We die to ourselves. We are buried with Christ, and then we are raised as new creatures in him. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at these, these stories in the Bible where Jesus has these encounters with people and he changes their lives. And then we get to see specifically, I'm choosing these stories because their responses to that are the same responses that we should have titled in the series. They shared their story, which is what we are called to do. We are called to share our story that when Christ has impacted your life, when he has raised you from the dead, you share that. You share what he's done in your life. It's like what Peter and John did in Acts chapter 4, where they are preaching in the name of Jesus, and so then they're brought before the religious leaders, and they are told, do not speak this name anymore. And they respond in Acts chapter 4, verse 19, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, that's for you to judge. But we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. 
Like you, you make the deciding factor there. It's on you to make the decision of how you respond to this. We're going to speak about our experience. We're going to speak about what we've witnessed, what's been done in our lives, how Jesus took us from fishermen to fishers of men, not just catching fish, transforming lives, being part of an eternal movement. Because that's the whole concept. I've, I've mentioned before that we're going through this string of series that kind of builds one on top of each other. That we were in Revelation. And remember Revelation, we looked at Jesus is worthy, Jesus is victorious, Jesus is reigning, and Jesus is returning. And so because of those facts, First Peter tells us that we live not as people in this world, but we are exiles and aliens and strangers and foreigners. And so we live as eternal kingdom citizens. And so because of who Jesus is, we live differently. And the reason that we live differently is because Jesus touched our lives. Because we have been impacted by Jesus. We have experienced the grace of Jesus. And so therefore we just share what he's done in our lives. And so we're going to be in John chapter 9. JD read our text today. Our text is verse 30, 24, verse 30, 24 through verse 34. But we're going to kind of cover the rest of the chapter and kind of build up to where we are because all we know at this moment is this guy is standing on trial and he's being asked, Who healed you? And so if you'll join me, we're going to open up in a word of prayer and then we'll dive into this a little bit more. Father God, we just come before you, and God, we're so grateful that we can gather together. And God, I'm so grateful just for the lives that have been changed by you, and God, just for you doing that work, that you have changed our lives, transformed us from dead to life. And so God, I just pray that as we look at these stories and as we hear the testimonies of people here in our gathering, it encourages us to just share what you have done in our lives, regardless of what that story is that we share it. So God, as we open up your word and we see just what you have done and are continuing to do, encourage us, build us up, and equip us to just go and share who you are. We love you, and it's in the name of Jesus that we pray this. Amen. So we're going to be in verse 1, and we see kind of the, the context of what J.D. read for us where this man is blind. And so Jesus and his disciples are walking, and it says, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And so here they're walking along, they see this man, and I mean, he's not just lost his sight, he was born that way. And so Jewish tradition and Jewish belief at this time is that if you have suffering, it's because your faith isn't strong enough. You, you have sinned at some point in your life. And so whatever it is that you might be going through, if it, if it was an ailment, or if it was a disease, or if it was um, some kind of suffering, it's because you've sinned. Or somebody has sinned. And so the disciples asked that question. Why is this man blind? Is it because he sinned before he came out of the womb? Or is it because his parents sinned? And so, you know, it says in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, that the sins of the father will be passed down to the second, third, and fourth generation. And so is that what's happening here? So who sinned? And Jesus is like, that's not the case here. 
It's not that somebody sinned, even though all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But in this case, that, that ailment is not a result of sin, but it's a result of God being glorified through it. Because remember in 1 Peter, we talked about that in suffering. That sometimes we suffer because it's the will of God. And it's like, okay, why? You, I, honestly, I don't like that statement but I accept it, but I don't want to like that sometimes suffering happens because I want good things to happen to all people. It's like Miss America pageant. What's your one wish? World peace. That's what I hope for. And the cure for cancer and a side mill on the side. You know, that'd be cool. Give me a couple extra bucks. But that's not the case. Peter says sometimes we suffer for the gospel. Sometimes just giving your life over to Jesus. Paul, he says in Romans chapter 9, he says, who is the clay to ask the potter why you were made for that reason? And so we have to remember we are not gods. That God is God. He's not that genie in a bottle, which is kind of the American view, where it's like, well, God's going to do whatever I ask. Name it and claim it because God is bound by what I desire. But like Jesus said on the night that he was going to be crucified, he said, not my will, but your will be done. That sometimes we suffer for the glory of God, and that's what we see here. As Jesus responds to his disciples, and he takes this moment to teach them. And so he says in verse 3, It was not that this man sinned or his parents but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And so Jesus is saying, this man, he has a purpose. His suffering, his ailment, it is so that God can be glorified. And then we get to see that actually happen. Because what Jesus does is he spits in the dirt, which is kind of gross, and he makes mud and clay, and then he puts it on the guy's eyes, and then he tells the man, now go to the pool of Shiloh and bathe in there, and you will receive your sight. And so the man is obedient, and he goes. But what we see here is suddenly there's, there's not really this big difference between this man and us. That it's, it's kind of easy to see I'm that man. That I was at one time spiritually blind, just like J.D. said. That all of us were blind, and not even blind, we were dead. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, But you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all, that means every single one of us, once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This man, he has this spiritual or this physical blindness. We have a spiritual death. Jesus, at the end of our passage, says in John 9, 39, he says, For judgment I came into the world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Paul, he kind of talks about this later on in 1 Corinthians 1, where he says that the word of the cross is folly or foolishness to those who are perishing, 
but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so Jesus came to make blind people see, but not just physical blindness. There's a spiritual meaning behind it. That he came to make spiritually blind people open their eyes and see who God is. That he came not only to make blind people see, but dead people alive. Which is who every single one of us is, or was, until Christ worked in our lives. And so that's kind of where we're going next, is we see the state of the man and us, blind and dead, but then we get to see the work of Jesus, where what Jesus does is he spits in the dirt, he makes the clay, he puts it on the man's eye, he chose this man, he saw this man. It's not like this man was sitting there and knew Jesus was walking by and was like, hey Jesus, will you help me? But instead he was in a total state of need, which is what we need to be in, a total state of humility. This man wasn't begging out of convenience, he was begging out of desperation. He had no other means. In his state of desperation, Jesus saw him, reached out to him, and Jesus paved the way for him to be healed. Jesus did all of the work up to this point. He spit in the mud or in the dirt. He made mud. He applied it to the man's eyes, and then he gave the command, go to the pool of Shiloh, bathe in the pool, and you will receive your sight. Again, that, that's the story of the gospel. Again, it is not that we are on life support and we are able to drag ourselves to the hospital, inject ourselves with a little bit of Jesus, and then get better. And it's like, whew, I did a lot of work, and Jesus, he was just that little extra Tylenol on top that helped me out. Instead, it is that we were in the morgue. The body bag was zipped over us. And Jesus came in and said, come to life. I'm going to change you from old to new. I'm going to raise you to life. Because Paul, he tells us that in Ephesians 2. It says that we were dead in the trespasses of our sins. We were walking the way that the rest of the world was walking. And then my favorite words, but God. We were dead, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead important part right there even when we were dead not just barely alive dead even when we were dead in our trespasses he made us alive together with christ by grace you have been saved and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in christ jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in christ jesus for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's the story of what Jesus did in this man's life and in our lives. He was blind, Jesus did the work. We were dead, but God made us alive in him, even when we were dead. God made us new creations. He did all the work. Whenever we think about sharing our story and like we, we use the word evangelism, which kind of freaks people out in today's society because it's got some negative connotations apparently. 
When we, when I talk about sharing our story, I'm talking about doing what Jesus did in our lives. That he did all the work. My story, I was dead and Jesus made me alive. He'll do it to you too. Pretty easy to say right there, but we like to overcomplicate it. But Jesus raised us from the dead. He did it all in our utter helplessness. It was all through him. Isaiah chapter 53 tells us, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was laid the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And then verse 12, therefore I will divide my portion with the many and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and he makes intercession for the transgressors. He does it all for us. The healing that we need, the healing that this blind man needed is found in the same place. It's found in only one place, and that's Jesus. The story of a believer is found only in one place, and that's Jesus. That he did all the work. Jesus did it all and he transformed us. Peter, he continues to tell us that this is the healing that we find in 1 Peter 22, 20 through, 22 through 24. He says, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued to entrust himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. He repeats Isaiah there. By the wounds of Jesus, by the cross of Jesus, we have been healed. That's the only place you're going to find healing. And then like Peter says, when we receive that healing, when a dead person comes back to life, it's kind of astounding. When this blind man received his sight, his neighbors were astonished. It is going to draw attention to you when you do this, when you share your story, when Jesus raises you from the dead. It's a big thing, and it's going to draw attention. In verse 7 through 12 of our text, it says that he went and he washed in the pool of Shiloh, and he went and came back seeing. And then verse eight, it says, the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said it is, it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes open? He answered, this is our story. The man called Jesus made mud, anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Shiloh and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. This man is like, or they ask him, how did you receive your sight? And he's like, uh, Jesus healed me. That's all I know. 
It's not, here, let me tell you the story about justification or, you know, all this regeneration. Let, you know, he's not hitting these deep theological points. He's saying, I was blind, but now I see. That's my story. Jesus healed me, and it drew the attention of his neighbors. Peter tells us sometimes that attention is not actually positive attention. He says in 1 Peter 4, the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised. Your neighbors, they're shocked when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. So here, the blind man shares and they're like, hey, we, where is this guy? We, we want to know about this. But sometimes it also comes with, yeah, I'm not about that. But it doesn't mean we don't share our story. Because again, when Jesus has transformed our lives, we're going to share that. It's a big thing. I mean, I'm telling you, if this weekend I dropped down without a pulse, and for like two days I was totally declared without a pulse dead, and then I came back to life without any pacemaker or anything like that, y'all would be hearing about it. The news would be hearing about it. It would be public. Like, man, this guy, he, like, they put him in the locker, and he came back, and like, everybody's freaking out right now. And yet, what Jesus has done is even better than that. Because the thing is, is that my body would still fail me. Lazarus did that. He was buried in the tomb, and Jesus hollered, Lazarus, come forth. And everybody's like, whoa, he's going to stink. Decay starting to happen. And yet he came out. But you know, Lazarus is not walking today. But yet what Jesus does when he raises us from death to life, it is an eternal life that can never be taken away. And so when we receive that, Jesus is the one that does all the work. But again, we have a response to this because Jesus told the man, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. The man obeyed. Jesus has done everything. Notice what it said in Ephesians 2 verse 8. It said, for by grace, you have been saved. Through faith. Our faith is not the means of our salvation. It's the method of our salvation. We're saved through grace. The way we receive grace is through faith. The man was saved through the work of Jesus. The way he received the healing is by going and being obedient. That's what Jesus does. And so when we receive that, we're now called to go and share that. Acts chapter 4, we read it. We cannot help but speak of what we have seen and heard. Jesus says in Mark 16, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. What is the gospel? I was dead. I was made alive in Jesus. He did all the work. That's the gospel in a nutshell. 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. So we implore you to be reconciled to God. When we receive something as incredible as eternal life, we go and we share it with those who are around us. You see, it's really not as hard as people make it. 
which I'm one of those people. I like to overcomplicate it. But we all have something that we're passionate about sharing. I mean, for example, if I could tell you that there is a way to save $3 on gas right now, I'd be sharing that. Like, hey, I found this trick. You go to the key pin, you hit 66275. That is how you save $3. I'm sharing that with everybody because I'm passionate about people saving money. If I could get your V8 to make 80 miles a gallon, I'd be sharing that with people because it would transform somebody's lives. We share the things that we're passionate about. We share the things we know will impact people's lives. Why do we not share the biggest impact in somebody's life? The gospel of Jesus. I mean, gas is gonna go back up. That V8's gonna die. Eternal life lasts forever. Why are we not passionate and again, I'm pointing, it's a we here. I'm involved in this. We are called to share what Christ has done in our life. Go, it's a command. Share what Jesus has done in your life. And we see the man, he did that. They brought him before him in verse 24. They called the man in a second time and they said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And so the man answers, whether he is a sinner, I don't know. You decide for yourselves whether it's right for me to speak in the name of Jesus or not. This man says, one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. And they can't argue that. I mean, people might be able to come up to you and be like, yeah, well, what about this though? Because it's, you know, people get hung up on this and it's like, you know what? Scholars debate that forever. This is what I know, my story, where Jesus took my life and made me new, gave me hope, gave me eternity. They can't argue with that. They cannot debate the transformation of God working in your life. That's your story. A total surrender to him, a dependence on him, a seeing I couldn't do it on my own. I was saved by grace through faith, not a result of work so that I cannot boast, but it's the gift of God and it is offered to you. God desires that all men may be saved. So we go and we share that with people. All of us were Ephesians 2, 1 through 6. All of us were dead in our trespasses. All of us were following the prince of the power of the air, following the course of this world. All of us were just living in sensuality. We were carrying out the desires of the flesh in the mind. We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, that's every single one of our story. Not but any other name, but God being rich in mercy, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. That's what we're called to share. The working of Christ in our life that we have encountered the source of hope because you see, when Christ transforms us, people start seeing the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. People see that in our lives. The way of our lives before, that's gone. Now we're controlled by the Spirit and we share that with people. So we, we have two responses to this. One is what we've talked about. We go and we share. 
But there's another one that this man does when he comes back and he finds Jesus. In verse 35, it says, Jesus heard that they cast this man out after having found him. He said, do you believe in the son of man? So the man answers, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him and he is who, and it is he who is speaking to you. So he said, Lord, I believe and he worshiped him. So not only do we share, but we worship. Not only here, but in our lives everywhere. Paul, he says in Romans 12, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. How do we do that? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we respond to the work of Jesus by living lives 24-7 of worship to God. We come to the altar, and again, Jesus made us alive, but you know what a living sacrifice is? It's a daily death to ourselves because the sacrifice is something that you kill so i'm dying to my desires and my impulses and my passions and my wants so that i can be raised in christ daily continuously living for him in everything that i do and that is what worship is we live for him we realize that All that has happened is because of him. And so we worship him and we share who he is. That that is the command from God. That if you've been transformed by Jesus, I'm not gonna ask you necessarily to come up here and share it, but we're called to share our story. I was dead and Christ made me alive. And if that is not your story, you are dead. If you have not been made alive in Christ, then you are still spiritually dead. If you have not received the gift of God through faith, it's all been provided. You receive it through faith by placing your life in his hand, by saying that you know you cannot save yourself. Jesus is the only way to be saved. If you have not done that, you're spiritually dead. But Christ but God, being rich in mercy, even though you're dead, will make you alive in Christ if you place your faith in him. If you, as Paul tells us in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what it takes. And that is it. But then you go and you share that with people. So if you are alive, share that. If you realize you're spiritually dead, today is the day to give your life over to Christ, to respond to his call so that you can be made alive and have that hope and that purpose. And so Kurt's gonna come up and we're gonna sing a song. And again, if if you've given your life to Christ, it's a time to worship him to sing a song of praise of who Jesus is in your life. And if you have not given your life to Christ, it's a time to respond to him, to make that decision that yes, I am dead and I have no hope 
without Christ. And so I placed my faith in him. And you can do that by coming forward and talking with me. Or I, I encourage you even find somebody next to you and talk to them. And just have that conversation about, hey, I want to give my life to Christ. Will you join me and walk with me through this? And so if you'll join me, we're going to pray, and then Kurt will lead us in a song. So Father God, again, we thank you for the work that you've done. And God, we thank you that we are saved by grace, nothing that we have done. But God, I just pray that if there's men or women or young ones in here who have not given their life over to you, God, work in their hearts. And then if we've given our lives to you, God, may we, sh may we just passionately share that with those that we encounter. God, continue to work in us. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray this. Amen.